Welcome to History Conspiracy Podcast, where we provide the audio and you decide whether it's history or conspiracy. If you would like to support this podcast, you can go to paypal.com and donate any amount to History Conspiracy Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for your support. In the days after the assassination of President Kennedy, the new president, Lyndon Johnson, was in the process of putting together the President's Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy also known as the Warren Commission. Here he is on the phone discussing the assembling of this commission. First, with the FBI Director, J. Edgar Hoover. Telephone conversation between President Johnson and FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover on November 25, 1963 at 10.30 a.m. Mr. Hoover on 2383. Mr. Hoover, 2383. 2383, let me find it. Just the fourth. Two things. Uh, apparently some lawyer in justice is lobbying with the Post because uh, that's where the suggestion came from for this presidential commission, which we think would be very bad. Uh, put it right in the White House, and uh, we can't be uh, checking up on every uh, every uh, uh, shooting scrape in the country, but they've gone to the Post now to get them an editorial, and the Post is calling up saying they're going to run an editorial if we don't do things. Now, we're going to do two things, and I want you to know about it. One, we believe that the way to handle this is, uh, as we said uh, yesterday, your suggestion that you whatever facilitates your command and making a full report to the Attorney General and then uh, they make it available to the country in whatever form is, uh, seem, may seem desirable right. as well as President. Second, well, the state, it's a state matter too, and the State Attorney General is young and able and prudent and very cooperative with you. Yeah. He's going to run a, a court of inquiry, which is provided for by state law, and he's going to have associated with him the most outstanding uh, jurist in the country, but he's a good uh, conservative fellow. Yeah. And, uh, uh, we don't uh, start invading uh, local jurisdictions that way, and he understands what you're doing, and he's for it. I want you to understand what he was doing, and and he's very strong for it. He's going to announce it today. Now, if you get too many too many cooks uh, messing with the broth, it mess it up. And and I think that these two are trained organizations, and uh, the Attorney General of the state holds courts of inquiries every time a law is violated. And uh, the justice and the FBI makes these investigations. So I want you to know that, and you'll tell your press man that that's what's happening, and they can expect to, they can expect Wagner Carr, the Attorney General of Texas, to make an announcement this morning yeah. of a state inquiry, and that uh, you can offer them your full cooperation, and 
vice versa, he'll do it with you. Right. We'll, work, we'll both work together. And any influence you got with the post, to have them point out to them that you don't want too many things, and it's just picking out a Tom Jerry lawyer from New York and sending him down on new facts, this commission thing, Mr. Hit, uh, Mr. Herbert Hoover tried that, and sometimes a commission that's not trained hurts more than helps. It's a regular circus then. That's right. Because it'll be covered by TV and everything. Just like an investigating it's committee. Exactly. I, I don't have much influence with the post because I frankly I don't know. read it. <laughs> I, 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 I know that. I, know I that. do it like a daily you, worker. You told me that once before. But, but, uh, I, but I just want your people to know the facts, yeah. and your people can say that, and that kind of negates it, you see. Yes. yes. Thank you. We'll take care of that. Thank, Thank you, Mr. President. Are you familiar with this proposed group that they're trying to put together on this study of your report and other things, uh, two from the House, two from the Senate, somebody in the court, uh, a couple of outsiders? No, well, I haven't heard of that. I've, I've seen the uh, reports on, this, on the Senate investigating committee that they've been talking about. Yeah, well, we think if we don't have... I want to get by just uh, with your file and your report. I uh, think it would be very, very bad to have a rash of investigations. Well, the only way we can stop them is probably uh, to appoint a high-level one to evaluate your report yeah. and put somebody that's uh, pretty good on it from uh, that I can select uh, uh, out of the government uh, and tell the House and Senate uh, not to go ahead with the investigation. Yes. Because we get up there and get a bunch of television going, and I thought it'd be bad. It'd be a three-ring circus. Yes. What do you think about Alec Dulles? Uh, I think he would be a good man. What do you think about John McCloy? Uh, I'm not as enthusiastic about about McCloy. I knew him back in the Patterson, when Patterson's down here, the secretary thing. He's a good man, but uh, I'm not so certain as to the matter of the publicity that he might seek on it. What about General Northcutt? A uh, good man. I guess Boggs has started in the House. I thought maybe I might try to get Boggs and Jerry Ford uh, in the House, maybe try to get Dick Russell and uh, maybe Cooper in the Senate. Yes, I think so. I don't know. You know anything, any reason? Uh, just talking to me and you're going to talk like brothers. Yes. You know, well, there is any reason, uh, any there. I thought Russell could kind of look after uh, the general situation and uh, see that uh, the states uh, and their relationship. Russell would be an excellent man. And I thought Cooper might look after the liberal group. Who's that? Cooper, Kentucky. Oh, yeah, Cooper. So they wouldn't think that he's a pretty judicious fellow, yeah. but he's a pretty liberal fellow. Yes. I wouldn't want Javits or, no, no. or some of those off on it. Uh, Javits plays the front page. Cooper, Cooper, Cooper's kind of a uh, border state. Yes. It's not south, it's not the north. That's right. Do you know Ford from Michigan? Uh, I know of him, but I don't know him. I saw him on TV the other night for the first time. He handled himself well on that. No bug. Uh, I oh yes, I know Bob. Kind of off in the resolution. Yeah, yes, know. yes, I know him. Now Walter tells me Walter Jenkins that, uh, that you've designated Deke to work with us like you did on the hill. Yeah, I have. Yeah, tell you, I sure appreciate that. I didn't ask for it because I knew you knew how to run your business better than anybody else. And I just want to tell you though it. We consider him as high class as you do, and it's a mighty gracious thing to do, and we'd be mighty happy. And well, be, we, we salute you for knowing how to take good men. Well, that's mighty nice of you, Mr. President, indeed. Uh, 
we're being, uh, we hope to have this thing wrapped up today, but we're being, we probably won't get it before the first of the week. This angle in Mexico is giving us a great deal of trouble mm-hmm. because uh, the stories I have, this man, Oswald, getting $6,500 uh, from the Cuban embassy mm-hmm. uh, and then coming back to this country with it. Uh, they, we're not able to prove uh, that fact. The information was that he was there on the 18th of September in Mexico City, and we have we are able to prove conclusively he was in New Orleans that day. Now, then they moved, they changed the date. The story came in, changing the date to the 28th of September, and he was in Mexico City on the 28th. Now, the Mexican police have again arrested this woman Duran, who's a member of the of the uh, Cuban embassy, and we'll hold her for two or three more days, and we've got to confront her with the original informant saw the money pass, so he says, and we're also going to put the lie detector test on it. Meantime, of course, Capsule's hollering his head off. Can you pay attention to the lie detector test? I, I would not uh, pay 100%, attention, uh, 100% uh, attention to them. All that they are is a psychological uh, asset in, a, in an investigation. I wouldn't want to be a part to sending a man to the chair on a lie detector. Uh, they, uh, for instance, we have found many cases where where we've used them and in a bank where there's been embezzlement. And a person will confess before the lie detector test is finished. They're more or less fearful of the fact that the lie detector test will show them guilty. Psychologically, there's that advantage because it's a misnomer to call it a lie detector because what it really is, it's the evaluation of the chart that is made by this machine. Uh, and that evaluation is made by a human being. And any human being can be apt to make a wrong interpretation. So I would not myself go on that alone. If, on the other hand, if this fellow Oswald had lived and had taken the out of the lie detector test and it had shown definitely uh, that he had done these various things, together with the evidence that we very definitely have, uh, they, it would have uh, just added that, that much more strength to it. There's no question but that he is the man. Now, the fingerprints, the things that we have. This fellow, uh, uh, Rubenstein down there, uh, he has offered to take the lie detector test, but his lawyer has got to be cost consulted first, and I doubt whether the lawyer will allow him. He's one of these criminal lawyers from the West Coast, and somewhat like an Edward Bennett Williams type, and almost as much of a shyster. <laughs> Have you got any, uh, any relationship between the two here? Uh, between uh, uh, Rubenstein? Yeah. No, at the present time, we have not. There was a story down there that... Uh, were he ever in his bar and stuff like that? There was a story that this fellow had been in this nightclub, that is this strip tease joint that he has, but that has not been able to be confirmed. Now, uh, this fellow Rubenstein is a, is a very shady character, has a bad record, street brawler, fighter, and that sort of thing, and uh, in the place in Dallas, if a fellow came in there and couldn't pay his bill completely... Rubenstein would beat the very devil out of him and throw him out of the place. He was that kind of a fella. He didn't drink, didn't smoke, boasted about that. He would, he, he's what I would put in the category, one of his egomaniacs. He likes to be in the limelight. He knew all the police uh, in that white light district where the joints are down there. And he also uh, let him come in, see the show, get food, and get liquor and so forth. That's how I think he got into police headquarters. Uh, because... Uh, they accepted him as kind of a police character hanging around police headquarters. And for that reason, raised no, no question. Of course, they, they never made any moves, as the pictures show, 
even when they saw him approaching this, this fellow and got up right to him and pressed his pistol against uh, against Oswald's stomach. Uh, uh, neither of the police officers on either side made any move to push him away or to grab him. It wasn't until after the gun was fired that they then moved. Now, of course, that, that is not the highest degree of efficiency, so I to say. Secondly, the chief of police admits that he uh, moved him in the morning uh, as a convenience and at the request of the motion picture people who wanted to have daylight. He should have moved him at night, but he didn't. And, uh, I mean, it, uh, those derelictions in that phase. But so far as tying Rubenstein and Oswald together, we haven't as yet done so. There have been a number of stories come in. Uh, we've tied, we've, we've tied Oswald into the uh, Civil Liberties Union in New York, membership into that, and, of course, into this uh, thing, uh, this, this Cuban Fair Play Commission, uh, Committee, which, is, which was pro-Castro and dominated by communism and financed... Uh, to some extent, by the Castro government. How many? How many? How many shots were fired? Three. three. Any of them fired at me? Uh, no, there was no. There. All three at the president. All three at the president, and we have them. Uh, two of the shots fired at the president were splintered, uh, but they had characteristics on them so that our ballistic expert was able to prove that they were fired by this gun. Uh, the, the third shot, which uh, which hit the president, he was hit by the first and the third. The second shot hit the governor. The third shot is a completely is a complete bullet that wasn't shattered, and that rolled out of the president's head. It tore a large part of the president's head off. And uh, in trying to massage his heart at the on the, at the hospital on the way to the hospital, they uh, apparently uh, loosened that and it, it fell onto the the stretcher, and we recovered that, and we have that, and we have the gun here also. Were they aiming at the president? Uh, they were aiming directly at the president. There's no question about that. This, this telescopic lens, which I've looked through, it brings a person as close to you as if they were sitting right beside you. And we also have tested the fact that you could fire those three shots were fired uh, within three seconds. There had been some stories going around the papers and so forth that uh, there must have been more than one man, but because no one man could fire those shots from the time that they were fired. We've just proved that by the actual test that we've made. How did it happen? They hit Connolly. Uh, Connolly turned. Uh, Connolly turned to the president at the, when the first shot was fired, and I think in that in that turning it was where he got hit. If he hadn't yeah. turned, he probably wouldn't have got hit. I think that's very likely. When the president got hit, the second uh, no, no, the president wasn't hit with the second one. At the, I say if, he, if Connolly hadn't been in his way. Oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, the president no doubt would have been hit. He'd been hit three times. He'd been hit three times. You know, on the fifth floor of that building where we found the gun and the wrapping paper in which the gun was uh, wrapped, had been wrapped, and upon which we find the full fingerprints of this man Oswald, uh, we, uh, on that floor we found the three empty shells that had been fired and one shell that had not been fired. In other words, there were four, she four shells apparently. And he had, he had fired three but didn't fire the fourth one. He then threw the gun aside and came down and at the, at the entrance of the building he was stopped by a police officer and some uh, work some manager in the building told the police officer, well, he's all right, he works for you, he can, uh, you needn't hold him. So they let him go. That's how he got out. Mm. And then he got on a bus. The bus driver has identified him and went out to his home and uh, got hold of a jacket that he wanted for some purpose and came back downtown, walking downtown, and uh, the uh, police officer who was killed stopped him 
uh, not knowing who he was and not uh, knowing whether he was the man, but they were uh, just on suspicion, and he fired a boss and killed a police officer. Then he walked down uh, walked you, you can prove that. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, we can prove that. Then he walked about another uh, another two blocks and went to the theater. And the woman at the theater window selling the ticket, she was so suspicious uh, the way he was acting. And she said he was carrying a gun. He had a revolver at that time which he, with which he had killed the police officer. Uh, the, he went into the theater and then she notified the police. And the police and our man down there went in there and uh, located this particular man. We had quite a struggle with him. He fought like a regular lion. And he had to be subdued, of course. And his brother was then brought out and, of course, taken to the police uh, headquarters. But uh, he, he apparently uh, had come down uh, the five flights of steps, uh, stairway, from the fifth floor. Uh, so far as we found out, the elevator was not used, although he could have used it. But nobody remembers whether it was or whether it wasn't. Well, your conclusion is... Maybe he's the one that did it. B, the man he's after was the president. C, he would hit him three times except the government turned. I think that's correct. Four, that there's no connection between he and Ruby uh, that you can detect now. And five, whether he was connected with the Cuban operation uh, with money you were trying to... That's what we're trying to nail down now. Because because he was strongly pro-Castro. He was strongly anti-American. And uh, he had been in correspondence, which we have, with the Soviet embassy here in Washington, and uh, with the, the American Civil Liberties Union, and with the, the, this committee for fair play to Cuba. We have copies of the, of the correspondence. So uh, that, uh, we've got it nailed down in, in his contact with him. None of those letters, however, dealt with any indication of violence or contemplated assassination. They were dealing with the matter of a visa for his wife to go back to Russia. Now, there's one angle of this thing that I'm hopeful to get some word on today. Uh, this woman, his wife, has been very hostile. She would not cooperate. She speaks Russian and Russian only. She did say to us yesterday down there that if we could give her assurance that she would be allowed to remain in this country, she uh, might cooperate. I told our agents down there to give her that assurance that she could stay in this country. And I sent a Russian-speaking agent into Dallas last night to interview her, so that uh, we'll, we're, we've got her now, and uh, whether she knows anything or talks anything, I don't, I, I course, don't know and won't know. Where did he work in the building? On the same floor? He had access on all floors. But where was his office? Uh, well, he didn't have any particular office. Uh, he would, uh, orders came in for certain books, and some books would be on the first floor, second floor, third floor, and so forth. But he didn't, he didn't have any particular place he was stationed? No, he had no, he had no particular place that he was stationed at all. He was just a general packer of uh, uh, the uh, requisition that came in for school books from the from the Dallas schools there, and uh, therefore he had access, perfectly proper access, to the fifth floor and to the sixth floor. Usually, most of the employees were down on lower floors. Did anybody hear anybody seen on the fifth floor? Yeah. Uh, they, yes, he was seen on the fifth floor by one of the workmen there before the uh, the assassination took place. He was seen there. So that, that we got, got a, Did you get a picture of him shooting? No, oh, no. There was no picture taken of him shooting. What was this picture that fell us over $25? That was a picture taken of the parade and showing Mrs. Kennedy uh, uh, climbing out of the back seat. You see, there was no Secret Service man standing on the back of the car. Uh, usually, this, the, the presidential car in the past has had uh, steps 
on the back next to the bumpers, and they've usually been one on either side standing on those steps at the at the back bumper. Uh, whether the president uh, uh, asked that that not be done, we don't know. Uh, and the bubble top was not up, but the bubble top wasn't worth a damn anyway because it made entirely a, a, a plastic. And uh, much to my surprise, the Secret Service do not have any armored cars. Do you have... Do you have a, a bulletproof car? Oh, yes, I do. Yes, do you I think do. I ought to have one? I think you most certainly should have one. Most certainly should. Uh, because uh, I went here, I was, we have one in New York. We use it for, for different purposes. I use it here for myself. And if we have any raids to make or have to surround a place where anybody's uh, hidden in, uh, we, we use the bulletproof car on that. Uh, because you can bulletproof the entire car, including the glass. But it, it means that the top has to remain up. You could never let the top down. It's very limiting tight. And it looks exactly like any other car, but I do think you ought to have a bulletproof car. And, uh, but, that, but I was surprised the other day when I made inquiry. All that I understand the Secret Service has had has had two cars with metal plates underneath the car uh, to take care of a hand grenade or a bomb that might be thrown out and rolled along the street. Well, of course, we don't do those things in this country. In Europe, that's the way they, they, they assassinate the heads of state are with bombs. They've been after General de Gaulle, you know, with that sort of thing. But uh, in this country, all of our assassinations have been with guns. And uh, for that reason, uh, uh, I think uh, very definitely I was very much surprised when I learned that this bubble top thing was not uh, bulletproof in any respect and that the plastic uh, top to it was down. Well, the president had insisted upon that so that he could stand up and wave to the... Now, you, it, uh, it seems to me that the president ought to always be in a bulletproof car. Uh, it, uh, it certainly would prevent anything like this ever happening again. Uh, it doesn't mean you could have a thousand Secret Service men on guard and still a sniper can snipe you from up in the window uh, if you are exposed like the president wants. But he, but he can't do it if you have a have a, a solid top uh, bulletproof top to it, as it should be. You mean I ride around my ranch? I ought to be in a bulletproof car? Well, I would certainly think so, uh, Mr. President. It seems to me that that, uh, that that car down at your ranch there, the uh, little car that we rode around in when I was down there, uh, I think that ought to be bulletproof. I think it ought to be done very quietly. There's a concern that uh, is out, I think, in Cincinnati, where we have our cars bulletproof. I think we've got four. We've got one on the West Coast, one in, in uh, New York, and one here. And uh, I think it, 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 it can be done quietly without any publicity being given to it or any pictures being taken of it if it's handled properly. But I think you ought to have, because on that ranch, it's perfectly easy for somebody to get onto the ranch. Uh, that, goes, that goes entrances all ought to be guarded, though, don't you? Well, I think by all means. I think, well, I, mean, I, think, I think you've got to recognize, you've got to really almost be in the, in the capacity of a so-called prisoner. Uh, because uh, without that security, uh, anything can be done. Now, we've got a lot of letters and phone calls over the last uh, three or four or five days. We've got one about the parade the other day. That they were going to try to kill you then. And uh, I talked uh, with the Attorney General about it. I was very much opposed to that marching. Probably. The White House. Well, we, we, we Secret Service has told them not to, but the family felt otherwise. Well, I, yeah, that, that's what uh, Bobby told me, because when I heard of it, I talked with the Secret Service, and they were very much opposed to it. I was very much opposed to it, because it was even worse than down there in Dallas. You yeah, were yeah, walking yeah. down the center of the street. I think that's right. Well, I'm 
and somebody on the sidewalk would dash out. I noticed even on Pennsylvania Avenue, the view of the, uh, the procession coming back from the Capitol, and while they had police signs uh, along the curbstone, uh, looking at the crowd, when the parade came along, the police turned around and looked at the parade, <laughs> which was the worst thing to do. They also had a line of soldiers, but they were looking at the parade. Well, I'm going to take every precaution I can, and I, I, want, I, want, to. I want to talk to you, and I wish you'd put down your thoughts on that a little bit, because uh, you're more than a... You're more than the head of the Federal Bureau, as far as I'm concerned. You're my brother and personal friend, and you have been for 25, 30 years. So, you have been for 30 years. I don't, I know, well, you just been having your time. Absolutely not. So, you just, uh, I got more confidence. Absolutely not. Well, I got more confidence. Your judgment, anybody in town. So, you just put out some of the programs, and I was President Johnson talks to Senator Everett Dirksen. Telephone conversation between President Johnson and Senator Everett Dirksen on November 29, 1963, at 11.40 a.m. Everett, uh, two things. This, uh, these investigations in the House and Senate on this Dallas affair Hoover's a little concerned about uh, uh, reflecting on him. He's making a very full report on it. The Attorney General's getting an inquiry, state inquiry. He's a very young and able and effective man. And we don't want to, we've got some international complications that could come up to us if we, if we, uh, uh, not very careful. So we've been trying to figure out how we could, uh, 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 best to handle this thing, and seems to us we might uh, ask a member of the court, might even ask uh, Alan Dulles, uh, might ask a couple of members of the House, a couple of the Senate, and wrap up uh, the three uh, divisions of government uh, so we'd have a very high caliber, top flight, uh, blue ribbon uh, group that the whole world would have absolute confidence yeah. in. I've talked to Mansfield and the, the speaker, and uh, uh, that appeals to them. Uh, yeah. I think that appeals to Hoover. I think it appeals to the Justice Department yeah. and the Secretary of State. I want to see what uh, reaction you had. See, this started when Eastland came over to my office the other afternoon, yeah. and he wanted to get this. Incidentally, I talked to him, too, and he said Did it's you talk to him? Yeah, he said it scribbled him. Okay. He's got a state's rights problem there if he goes to... Sending the investigations down into Texas, they may be going into Jackson, you know. Yeah. Vice versa. Yeah, I undertook this only because yeah. uh, Jim initiated yeah. it. I talked to McClellan and Sam Irwin and others. I had kids with Dick Russell, too, and he kind of thought it would be bad to, for uh, just the uh, Senate committee and the House yeah. committee and all of them be running over the lot. So if it's all right, that it could be buttoned up. And uh, we have a request uh, from the Attorney General that view of the heavy mail that Ms. Kennedy will get that the ordinary 10,000 that uh, 
the president's wife gets uh, for the purpose of answering mail yeah. be increased to 50 for the first year. Yeah. Uh, Mike says he co-sponsored that if you go along with I it. I will. And that, that'll be fine. Okay. Now, uh, let me see. Uh, I want to talk to you and Charlie in the next day or two about uh, how in the world we're going to get some little action between now and the time we go home. If we don't, why, we're going to get a bad press. Yeah. We just, the people, we, we've got to get our appropriations out, but we ought to make some progress. Now, Harry Bird's very interested in seeing what this budget be before he reports his tax bill out. I've talked to Eisenhower and Bob Anderson and them in yeah. some detail about that. Yeah. I want to talk to you about it. I'm already uh, uh, doing everything that I humanly can to uh, to keep that within bounds, and I'll be in a position to give you some uh, estimates, but I hope you all be in a position to close those hearings when you, you, you it's tentatively planned to close them, whenever it was. When yeah. was it six? Well, uh, originally it was the 17th, but we pushed it back to uh, the 6th or 7th. 6th, I think. Yeah. Then maybe you could get your report written and get it on the calendar as a minimum, because yeah. uh, Everett, what do I think about uh, We can't... Uh, uh, we can pass the tax bill in a week, uh, although it's complicated when it just took five days last year with all the difficulties, but uh, after we get it out. But the uh, civil rights going to take so damn much longer time. And uh, uh, they got the McGregor Burns and the rest of them writing about the Congress and uh, whatever else we say, uh, we do have a good many more appropriation bills up there in December than we've had before. And uh, there is some merit to some of the things they're saying. I, I don't my life's the hell, as I said the other day, but I, I do think that uh, if we could, we ought to make show some evidences of progress, and you'd be thinking about how you can help us get that tax bill out. I don't want to rush them, don't want to change the procedures, as I indicated in my message. I don't want to uh, try to uh, blast anybody out of anything, but if he's going to finish it six anyway, hey, well, let's just work some people a few nights up there writing this report and get it out there on the calendar. and. Uh, it'd be a wonderful thing if we pass that. Every businessman I've talked to since I've been in here, from the tops on down. Bob Anderson says every one of them are waiting to see whether they're really going to pass one. If they are, why, it's going to mean a lot to them. And that market went up the other day because they, they thought that we were going to be stable with business because they think we're going to be frugal. But uh, you've got to help me, my friend. Well, I'll be back there Monday. Okay. And I'll talk to you. And you give some thought to it now. Let's try to get that tax bill out. House passed it, and we've been on it one year, 11 months. And if Congress is to, is to function at all and can't pass the tax bill between January and January, well, we're in a hell of a shape. And you know that they, they've had enough hearings on that thing. If they finish a mistake, they ought to write a report in a week, and you ought to pass it in a week. Yeah. But, uh, the then they'd all know it's effective January the 1st, and every businessman in this country would... Uh, would have some confidence, and you'd probably pick up a bunch of Senate seats because you're running the Senate like I ran it. Uh, you're being pretty patriotic, and you cooperate. Yeah, the markup is going to take a little time, I think. The what? The markup. Well, they're they're gonna gonna be be good they can do that in a week. They marked up the other one in five days. It's a hell of a lot more complicated, Treasury tells me. If they can do the other one in five days, give them seven on this one. So that would be the 13th. And you could have the damn thing passed by. We don't need to go home to Christmas Eve, 22nd. Yeah. And you'd have 10 days to pass it. Now, Albert Gore's got a deal there. He wants to do this and that. But uh, we could table those amendments heads. And we, we've, got, we've got an obligation to the Congress. And we, we've just got to show that they can do something because we can't pass civil rights. We know that. Well, we let me talk to Harry and John.
President Johnson is on the phone with Senator Richard Russell of Georgia. Hello. Mr. Russell, 
And we've got to have the highest judicial people we can have. The reason I ask you is because you have that same kind of temperament. And you can do anything for your country. And don't go to give me that kind of stuff about you can't serve with anybody. You can do anything. It's not only that. I, I just uh, I don't think that Chief Justice should have said it. Well, uh, uh, Chief Justice ought to do anything he can to save America. And right now we've got a we've got a very touchy thing. And you wait till you look at this evidence. You wait till you look at this report. Now don't uh, just I'm not going to lead you wrong, and you're not going to you're not going to be an old dog tray. You're not going to be an old dog tray company, but uh, you never turned your country down. You, well, this is not me. That's your country. And uh, uh, the members of the Special Commission are Chief Justice Warren, Senator Richard Russell, and I go right down the list. Now, I've got Alan Dulles, John McCloy, but uh, you've got, you're my man on that commission, and you're going to do it. And don't tell me what you can do and what you can't, because uh, I can't arrest you, and I'm not going to put the FBI on you, but uh, you're that damn sure going to serve, I'll tell you that. And A.W. Morrison's here, and he wants to tell you that uh, how much all of us love you. Wait a minute. Well, I know from Mr. you told me you were going to name I told you. I told, I told you today I was going to name the Chief Justice when I called you. I did. You talked about getting somebody on the Supreme Court. Now. That's right. You didn't tell me you'd go name. I told you I was going to name Warren. You said it'd be better to name Harlan. Oh, no. We, we talked, and I said Clark wouldn't do coach. No, that's right. That's right. And I've got to get the highest justice I can get. He turned Bobby Kennedy down. Bobby, they talked to him, and he just said he wouldn't serve under any circumstances. I called him down there, and I spent an hour with him. And I, I begged him as much as I'm begging you. I just said, now, here's the situation. I won't tell you what, Mr. You have to beg me. You've always told me. Right. No, I have no. No, I have not. I don't. I, Mr. President, please. No, it's already done. It's been announced, hell. You mean you've given that? Yes, sir. I mean, I gave it. I gave, I gave the announcement. It's already in the papers. You own it. And you're going to be my man on it. And you just uh, you just forget that. Now, wait a minute. A.W. won't say a word to you, and I'll be back. Hello, Senator. Oh, we're just sitting there talking. He said, I've got one man on there. They're smart and all the rest of them put together. I ain't buttering you up, Senator. You know just like I do. Well, goddammit, you know I'm not that kind of feller. And I just heard that. I just want you to know that. Because, hell, he depends on you. You know that. And he just got through saying, he said, i got one man on there. They're smart and all the rest of them put together. That's the truth. You know it. You know I know it, Senator. Well, hey, that be I don't know when I've been as uh, unhappy about the things as I have missed. Well, well, I know, but you you can take them, God Almighty. You've took them from here for years, and the hard ones, and the tough ones, and, and you take care of it. You take care of yourself. Well, you come stay it. But you don't, 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 don't say you can't do anything. But you're the best can-do man there is. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. Dick. Yeah. Now we're we're going into a lot of problems. I saw uh, we had lunch together, and I I saw Sanders, and I saw I've seen a good many people since then. I saw Wilkins today. Had a long talk with him. Now these things are going to be developing. And uh, I know you're gonna. 
I know you're going to have your reservations and your modesty, and uh, you're going to have a... You're going to, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. I understand that. But now your president's asking you to do these things, and uh, there's some things that I want you in besides civil rights. And by God, you're going to be in them, because I can't run this country by myself. And my future is behind me, and that's not entering into it at all. Well, your future, your future is your future is your country, and you're gonna you're gonna do everything you can to serve America. Now, I I just haven't I can't do it. I haven't got the time. Oh well, now well, all right. We'll just we'll just make the time. All my Well, we'll just make the we'll just make the time. There's not going to be any time to begin with. All you're going to do is re- evaluate a Hoover report he's already made. But well, okay. Well, then we won't move any faster than you want to move. But you uh, you gonna you gonna lend your name to uh, to this thing because you head the CIA committee in the Senate, and you're gonna you're gonna have a you're gonna have Fulbright and Hickenlooper on it because this thing is breaking faster than you think. And. I've already talked to Hickenlooper and Fulbright and asked him to go with you, sit on your committee because I don't want I don't want these things torn up. Secretary of State came over here this afternoon. He's deeply concerned, Dick, about the idea that they're spreading throughout the communist world that Khrushchev killed Kennedy. Now he didn't. He didn't have a damn thing to do with it. Well, I don't think he did directly. Well, all right, but we want we got to have some people. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if Castro had. All right, then okay, that's what we want to know. And people got confidence in you, and you can just be surprised or not surprised. They want to know what you think. And if my uh, A.W. Morrison's one wants to know what you think, and you. No, no, you're not. I'm talking no. about. No, I'm not taking advantage. I don't tell you how much I know you, my friend. I'm not going to say any more, Mr. President. What are you? I'm at your command, and I'm ready to take you. Well, you damn sure going to be at my command? You're going to be at my command as long as I'm here. You'll be just a little bit more deliberate and considerate next time about it. But this time, of course, if you've done this, I'm going to do it and go through with it and say, I think it's wonderful. Well, I'm not going to be any more deliberate than I've been about this because I've been pretty deliberate. But I'm going to have you on a good goddamn many things that I have to decide. And you're going to be you're going to be America's representative, and I don't want any special obligation. I just know you're going to call them as you see them. And I served under you, and I don't give a damn if you have to serve with a Republican, if you have to serve with a communist, if you have to serve with a, a Negro, if you have to serve with a thug, if you have to serve with A.W. Morrison. I can serve with a communist, I can serve with a Negro, I can serve with a Chinaman. Well, you may have to serve with A.W. Morrison, eh? And if I could say with A.W. Morrison, I would say, Mr. Chairman, I am pleased to say unto you, Judge Morrison. But, uh, well, we won't discuss it. No. no. Okay, give, give Bobby my love and tell him he better get ready to, to give up that fruitful law practice he's got. Oh, God almighty. I got him on age, making much money as I am. Well, what about Vanderbilt? Well, he's running for governor next time and will be elected. Mm. Well, who the hell is going to help me besides you? Well, those boys will help you if you need them. Well, I need them. No, no, I never did. Nobody ever been more to me than you have, Dick, except my mother. <laughs> no, no, that's true. I never, I never, I bothered you more and made you 
made you spend more hours with me telling me what is right and wrong than anybody except my mother. No, I never made you doing things wrong. I never made you doing things wrong. I never made you doing things wrong. I didn't say wrong. I said things I didn't want to do. Well, uh, Bobby and Bobby and Ernie, two of the most loyal friends you've got on earth. I know that. They both called me up and said you just got to do whatever. No, I don't want you to do that. I just want to counsel with you. I just want to counsel with you, and I just want your judgment and your wisdom. And forty million, forty million Americans involved here. I may be wholly wrong, but I, I think Mr. Warren would serve on anything and give him any publicity. Well, you want me to tell you the truth? You know what happened? You know what happened? Bobby and them went up to see him today, and he turned him down cold and said no. Yeah. Two hours later, I called him and ordered him down here, and he didn't want to come. I insisted he come. He came down here, and he told me no twice. And I just pulled out what Hoover told me about a little incident in Mexico City, and I said, now, I don't want to... Mr. Khrushchev to be told tomorrow and be testifying before camera that he killed this fella and that the Castro killed him. And all I want you to do is look at the facts and, and bring any other facts in here and determine who killed the president. And I think you put on your uniform, World War One, bad as you are, and... Uh, uh, do anything you could to save one American life. Now, I'm surprised that you, the Chief Justice of the United States, would turn me down. And he started crying. He said, well, I won't turn you down. I'll just do whatever you say. But he turned the Attorney General down. Well, you ought not be so persuaded. Well, I think I ought to. I think you did wrong getting Warren. I know damn well you got wrong getting me, but no. you both do the best you can. I think that's what you do. That's kind of American both of you are. Good night. Good night. Telephone conversation between President Johnson and Congressman Les Ahrens on November 29, 1963, at 6.15 p.m. Please do, and I'm just, uh, 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 just uh, waited. Most of these boys are going to be leaving here not later than 6.30, and I've, I've tried to get in over an hour. Yeah. Do you want to put this... this uh, you want to make this release tonight? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going to make an announcement tonight. It's just a question. I would just like to be able to say that I had consulted with the leadership. Uh, that's, that's it's, a, it's a presidential commission, you see, and I don't. Uh, I just want to. Uh, I want to work with my friends. That's right. And I, and that's why I called you back, Mr. President. What I want to do is I want to try to get someone that's pretty familiar with the, the defense picture and the foreign relations picture and. Uh, also, the CIA picture, you see, uh, the Hoover picture, we got, and that's why I'm trying to get man and handle the kind of high up on military over in the House, and, but uh, uh, Russell on armed services in the Senate. Well, I tell you, the reason I... Cooper's a former ambassador to India, you see, and McCloy is a former ambassador, Dulles is former CIA, and uh, I don't know, I have no no uh, particular uh, reason for interest in uh, 
for the Republicans, but the hell of it is you can't clear these things. You can't even talk to them. You can't get them. Mike Mansfield's in Florida, Dirksen's in Illinois. And well, let me see if I can't get it. But in the meantime, I, I, I didn't want to be put in a position where I put an okay on something and then find out that Charlie was jumping or something. Well, I am... No. No. What I was just going to... Uh, what I was going to do, I was going to try to get him for another 15 minutes and then have to decide what to do about it because... You, Likewise, I'll, I'll work on it too. I'll try to call you back with him. Fine. Just tell him what what we like to do is have men with the the military background, the CIA background, the appropriation background. See, we're doing a good deal in this field, Les. That uh, I think you are on the committee, aren't you? You're on the, the sub subcommittee there. And uh, so uh, we're trying to spread it out, and we're getting a chairman of armed services, one group, you see, and, and we're trying to go to appropriations with the other that handles appropriations, and we're trying to go to somebody that has a good deal of uh, foreign service, like John Cooper, ambassador. And Dulles, you see, the CIA, and Hale's been talking about this thing, and he talked a little too much today. <laughs> you, know, you know, members of Congress. Well, that's the trouble. They all talk, you know, and you tell them. Now, he called down here and said this fellow is talking. I said, well, I'm trying to work out things like that. Yeah, that's right. Well, you're 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 doing the right thing on this. But uh, if I talk to them, they uh, they talk to the press. So you you try to get back to the 15. Just quick as I can. President Johnson on the phone with future President Gerald Ford of Michigan. Telephone conversation between President Johnson and Congressman Gerald Ford on November 29, 1963 at 6.52 p.m. Congressman Ford, 2191. President, how are you, sir? Happy Thanksgiving. Where are you? I'm home, sir. You mean Michigan? No, no, I'm here in Washington. Well, thank God I have somebody in town. <laughs> well, I, I was getting ready to tell McGregor Burns he's right about the Congress. They, they couldn't function. I thought your speech was excellent. The other well, day. thank you, Jerry. Jerry, i got something I want you to do for me. Well, we'll do the best we can, sir. I've got to have a top blue ribbon uh, presidential commission to investigate this assassination. I'm going to ask Chief Justice to edit. it. And uh, then I'm going to ask uh, John McCloy and Alan Dulles. Right. And I want it nonpartisan. I'm not going to point out I got five Republicans, two Democrats, but I'm going to do that. And I'm just uh, then you forget what party you belong to and just serve as an American. And I want uh, uh, Dick Russell, and Sherman Cooper, uh, John Cooper in the Senate. Dick's on armed services over there, and I want somebody on preparation to know CIA over in your shop. Uh, uh, from appropriation angle, because I'm covering the armed services angle with Russell. Right. I want to ask Hale Boggs and you to serve in the House. Well, and so it'll be McCloy and Dulles and Ford and Boggs and Cooper and Russell and Chief Justice Warren as chairman. Well, you know very well I would be honored to do it, and uh, I'll do the very best I can. You do that, and keep me keep me up to date, and I'll be seeing him. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Delighted to help out. Thank you, dear. Thank you.